Morning Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. Hi. It's Tuesday. <laughs> And you are watching AM to DM. Now listen, friends, you know me. Uh, I am not a huge fan of uh, the criminal justice system <laughs> in the United States, but every once in a while, justice! Uh, BuzzFeed News tweeted this. A man who illegally killed hundreds of deer has been ordered by a judge to watch Bambi once a month during the year he spins in jail. All right, now that man is David Berry Jr. Of course he This is. takes place in Missouri. Okay. All right, and basically his lawyers mm -hmm. went to that judge who, who handed down that sentence of one year, and they basically were like, we would like to ask for leniency. Mm -hmm. We would like to ask for... Now, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do have a few questions. Like, obviously, I don't know a lot about hunting, but... Why? How, how many deer was he killed? Why was he killing the deer? Mm, mm, mm. Sometimes I feel like people are like, deer are a pest. Okay, know? so here's the thing. In the United States, absolutely. I mean, no shade to deer. No shade to deer. A lot of people haven't been hunting as much as they used to. There okay. are areas in the United States where the deer population has risen. That said, there are still hunting laws, okay? There's okay. hunting registration laws. There's hunting season laws. So you laws. can't just be out you there. You can't just be out here killing deer. Now, these folks, and it's folks because over 14 people were indicted in this massive scandal, like seriously, local enforcement, state, state enforcement, and federal law enforcement were all involved in this case. Over deer? Over deer. They were killing hundreds of deer over years. And here's the thing, when I first saw the story, I was like, look, maybe he was trying to feed his family. Maybe he was trying to get cozy in the winter. I understand that. They were actually cutting the heads off of the deer using taxidermy to mount them as trophies and leaving the bodies of the deer to rot. And that's like really wasteful. Like that's incredible. They're not even wasteful. so they're not even like eating the deer meat. They're no, not, they're they just weren't, like really like they weren't even eating it. So this is they're like it's like a, a deer serial killer cartel. Right? I mean, yes. I, I just don't no, understand. Seriously, this is the language. Were they, they making money off of it? The language they used was serial poachers. They're still looking into the into the organization. That's but what weird. you need to know is that he got a one-year sentence for being a dereal killer. All right, a one-year sentence, which seems pretty lenient, right? I would... I think yeah, so. that seems pretty. Lenient. I don't know how this. But his lawyers should... go up to the judge and they uh -huh. say, "Listen, leniency. This man has a son on the way." To which the judge said, "Okay, not only are you in jail for a year, but every month for the entirety of your sentence, once a month, you have to watch Bambi." And I'm going to do the quote here: "You can watch Bambi and think about your own child when you do that." Okay, a couple of thoughts. First of all, okay, step one: some Caucasian bullshit again. Uh, this man has a child on the way, so give him a link. Like, mm -hmm. okay, shout out to Jasmine Headley, because you also were trying to rip her child from her arms. Uh, two, Bambi once a month is a pretty good Bambi thing. once a month? Come on, it's pretty good. But a funny. year isn't that long. A year is not that long. It's not like it was every Put him day in jail for like five or six years so the boy's a little older. Because <laughs> when you got like a six year old looking at you, like, Daddy, you killed Bambi's mom? A hundred. Very different situation. Hundreds. Hundreds of, of times. All right, but listen, Twitter, let's play judge. What movie would you sentence someone to watch every month for a year mm. as punishment and why? Let us know using the hashtag AM2, whatever that John Travolta, John Gotti movie was called. Wow. <laughs> Flashback. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that. That's uh, a good question. Uh, All right, well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News reporter Claudia Rosenbaum. CBS board finds Les Moonves' willful failure to cooperate fully with company investigation and his willful material misfeasance, there's our word of the day, children, are grounds to terminate him with cause, denying him his $120 million uh, severance. Ooh. Susie Meister had a great question about that $120 million severance package. 
Can they give Les Moonves' severance to all the women whose careers he derailed? Uh, yes. That is, mm. That's actually, I think, an excellent question. I mean, you know, justice for Janet Jackson. Mm. I mean, he, he I, I would not say he derailed her career. Shout out to her being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, you know, certainly negatively impacted for mm-hmm. like a decade. Mm-hmm. Sybil Shepard, I love Sybil's show. So I was heartbroken last week to learn that after she thwarted his sexual advances, he had her show canceled in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And you go, what happened to women like Sybil Shepard? He did. Um, as we know, something like 17 women at this point have come forward. So to know that he went this long and was still going to walk away with $120 million? It was pretty infuriating. Wild. It, it's truly wild. BuzzFeed News reporter Claudia Rosenbaum joins us now from Los Angeles. Claudia, good morning. Good morning. So listen, when news of allegations against Les Moonves first broke earlier this year, I was surprised, I think Saeed was surprised, many of us were surprised that he was still going to receive this severance package. So what changed? Well, they did. The board brought in two outside legal, you know, firms to do a thorough investigation. They talked to those 17 women or they tried to. They tried to talk to Les Moonves about what happened. They talked to other employees. And ultimately, they determined that um, he wasn't cooperating with the investigation. um, And they believed these women were credible in their allegations and that he violated company policy. And so because of that, they had the right to terminate him with cause and deny him his severance. Wow. Um, I've been stunned about this because, of course, it raises so many questions, not just for Les Moonves' own behavior, but CBS as a company. For example, uh, shortly before he joined CBS's board in 2007, a producer Arnold Koppelson uh, was told about an alleged sexual assault by Moonves, and I guess he didn't deal with it. Uh, so what questions is, are these new um, details raising, not just for Moonves, but for the board and for CBS as a company? Well, the board released a statement yesterday that, you know, they're cleaning house over there. They are, they have new board members. They have a new human resource officer. They're trying to be open and transparent. They're saying, you know, whatever happened in the past isn't going to, they don't want this con- to continue as a company culture. So they're trying to turn over a new leaf. And they donated um, $20 million to, you know, other organizations to eliminate sexual harassment. So they're, they seem like they're being pretty open about changing their policies. Mm. Okay, so actually that tweet is not totally off the mark. They are giving some money. That's super fascinating to me. I do have one question because this, this report's coming out. It was pretty clear that Moonves was not working with the people that were doing the investigation and that's where part of the problem arose. If he had just played ball, if he had just stayed quiet, would he have gotten the severance package? I don't think it was just that he wasn't cooperating with the investigation. I think that they, you know, they found that he had violated company policies. They didn't get into the details of what they released, but I don't think violating company policies was just that he wasn't cooperating with the investigation. Okay, and, and as I understand, again, this report is 59 pages. That is very long for one person's, you know, horrible behavior. Uh, and it's going to the board officially in January. Do we have a sense of what comes next? Is he out of the woods? Um, well, his attorney is denying, uh, you know, um, they, he says you know, he denies all of these non-consensual allegations. So I think he's planning on fighting this. I don't think he's, you know, willing to just hand over his $120 million without a fight. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Claudia. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Here is a shocking investigative report from BuzzFeed News national reporter Tyler Kincaid, which we just hit publish on a few minutes ago. It's right here on my phone. A Facebook post opened the door to a sex abuse scandal in a small town. 
That small town is Miles City, Montana. And please be warned, this story involves graphic details about minors and sexual abuse. Tyler Kincaid joins us now. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning, guys. All right, so this all started with a Facebook post. What did that post say? Who was it from? And what happened next? Well, so first, earlier this year in in August, um, this uh, former athletic trainer at this high school sent a friend request to one of the former student athletes. Um, And he had sent it to several uh, students, but one of them, it, it triggered something in him. It, for the first time in you know 20 years, he thought about what happened to him in the 90s, uh, which was that this former athletic trainer sexually abused him um, about three times a week. And he stewed on it. And after a couple of weeks, he started calling people, um, former guys that he knew were also abused, or at least he suspected it. Uh, none of them had ever talked about it before. None of them had talked to each other about it before. Um, and within just a couple of weeks, they had 17 guys, uh, or 18 rather, ready to file a lawsuit. And in the course of that, they also discovered that this, um, this athletic trainer, James Jensen, had actually posted way back in January 2016 in a uh, alumni group, uh, Facebook group, that he was sorry for all of the harm he had caused during his 28 years as the Cowboys athletic trainer. Sort of a cryptic confession of sorts. Right. So that kind of jump-started, you know, obviously the lawsuit and, and your reporting now in the present. But I was stunned by, as we are often are, I'm thinking of USA Gymnastics as well and Larry Nassar, the scale uh, of the abuse. It's something like possibly 200 victims um, might have um, interacted and been abused by this man. Um, how did he do it? You discussed, uh, you described something called the program? Yeah, exactly. So he... That's what he called it. He just called it the program. Um, what he promised these student athletes, and you have to remember, like they were introduced and referred to this trainer by their coaches. Like, you know, if you got hurt after practice or a game, they would tell you to go see this guy and get, he'd get you taped up. So, and it's also in a small town in the nineties. I mean, you're just kind of raised to trust adults, especially ones at school. So he taught, when he starts telling them, Hey, you know, I got these techniques that will help you release testosterone and it's an all natural way, but it kind of gives you the same benefits as steroids. Um, but if you want, you know, I can get you in on this program. Um, and he would slowly recruit these boys and then the boys would turn and recruit others. Um, and so it was sort of like building on itself and they'd go over to his house. They'd see that other students are there and they go, Oh, okay. Well, like this has to be legit because there's my buddy, you know, you know, John and Tom and, you know, made up names, but, um, you know, they sort of like, well, if they're in it, I guess it's, it's legit. And, but then he would start, you know, escalating it to really, you know, vile sexual abuse. Um, he would, you know, I don't know how graphic we want to get, but, he, you know, it would just continually escalate. And the guys didn't question it for a, a range of different issues, ranging from homophobia to shame to just, you know, they had been convinced that this is going to work. And I, you know, just really quickly, I mean, one of the things that he, utilized was that these were kids in 14, 15, doing the most extensive workouts they'd ever done, going through puberty. So they're naturally getting bigger and becoming better athletes. But in their mind, they're going, oh, well, maybe this guy is, you know, telling the truth. Wow. He's like literally weaponizing puberty. Exactly. And maybe they're telling the truth. Yeah. And I'm, 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 listen, I read the piece and I'm going to state it because it is graphic, but he was uh, masturbating. He was uh, oral sex on these young men. This was uh, sex, sexual assault of the highest degree. Um, I want to ask, did school officials know? So 
the school district is insisting that none of their employees knew. However, uh, we've talked to someone who way back in the 80s, before this guy even started what he called the program, um, who said that at school during these rubdowns after practice um, that Jensen would perform on all the wrestlers and they had to be fully nude for it. And the school district definitely knew that um, he would, it was, he says that during the eighties that Jensen um, started molesting him on school grounds include, and that he eventually disclosed to uh, disclosed it to one of his wrestling coaches and said that, you know, this guy is touching my anus. And according to, this man that we've spoken to, he says that the coach responded that he needs to suck it up and keep going to see Jensen if he wants to continue wrestling. Um, another guy says later in the 90s, a different wrestling coach asked him if he was still going over to Jensen's, uh, which is where the program took place. And, you know, this guy in the 90s said, no, it's fucked up. And he thought it was a big deal because he was using the F word. But the, he says that the coach never, you know, inquired further. Um, we also found that later in 1997, at least three people had complaints about unease involving Jensen. Um, and at that time, this school principal, who's now a uh, state lawmaker in the Montana legislature, uh, wrote a letter to Jensen that both he and Jensen and a few other school officials signed, saying that Jensen no longer can have boys stay the night at his house. He can't give body rubdowns unsupervised, and he has to end his, quote, mentorship program, which, you know, Given that he called it the program, it seems you know very uh, damning of a document. Well, I know I mentioned Larry Vassar, uh, Nasser before, but just like with that case, I feel like this huge story from you opens up a lot of questions for a lot of people. So, uh, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. And listen, we're of course tweeting that story out right now. Yep. But listen, we have a fantastic show for you today. One of the stars of my new favorite movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I absolutely love it. Won't stop talking Will not stop talking about it. Kamiko <laughs> Glenn is here. I can't wait to sit down with her. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. <laughs> Welcome back. We're getting right into these fire yeah. tweets. Drew Suave, you tweeted, church music hit you different when your life is in shambles. Oh. That is absolutely oh true. Absolutely uh. true. Fuck around, listen to the preacher's wife soundtrack and end up in your feelings. <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes you need it. A little uplifting music That's gets true. you through the day. That's true. That's true. When your life is in shambles. Okay, this tweet comes from, I love your username, 21. Mm-hmm. Clever. We begged Apple for years to give us group FaceTime, only to not use it. <laughs> now, I will tell you, I actually used it last week twice for the first time ever, and it's it's really great. FaceTime or group FaceTime? Group FaceTime. I okay. really liked it. It was very fun. It was like a nice way uh-huh, to... And it's good, because you know, I have a bunch of group texts, and it's great. It was like, da 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 and only three of us showed up, okay. like the other people out, but it was we had a great combo. You did it? I, I, like I still it. don't do FaceTime yet. One I, one, I noticed friends who, and we were talking to our friend Amina about this, like, like friends who have families in other countries and stuff, I feel like mm. they tend to use FaceTime more. Mm. I think we, I don't know what it, there's something cultural. I'm usually doing something else when I'm on the phone. I don't, you don't need to see me brushing my teeth. That's how I feel about it. All right. <laughs> B tweeted, me training a new person at my job. So you're not really supposed to do this, but this is what I do. <laughs> Definitely said that before. I can't think of an example of what that would be for our job now. 
I don't even want to say yeah, it on I'm air. Scared. Yeah, okay, I tell me during the break. Okay. Let's go to this tweet of the day. It comes from, oh, another good username, children. Puppo O'Bork. <laughs> Puppo tweeted, Woody Allen wrote, directed, and starred in 900 movies called The Cool Nerdy Pedophile. And I'm starting to think there's something up with that guy. I just can't. Ooh, sometimes the fire tweet really burns. I can't quite mm. put my Hollywood on it. Coming up, I sit down with actor Kamiko Glenn, but up next we are going live from the district. You're all going to hell. Okay, we're going live to the district. <laughs> Welcome back. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Emma Loop. Good morning, Emma. Good morning, Saeed. Hi. All right, let's start with this tweet from you. New knowledge, the most prolific Russian-led internet research agency efforts on Facebook and Instagram specifically targeted black American communities. They also encouraged African-Americans to boycott elections or follow the wrong voting procedures in 2016. So Emma, why and how did the campaign target African-American voters? So this was a campaign that in general targeted uh, rifts within American society, tried to sow discord within American society, and really preyed upon existing issues uh, within American society and culture. And of course, race is a huge one. And so, uh, you know, these accounts would share uh, uh, stories about police brutality and other social inequalities to try to get people riled up, and then spread messages along the lines of, you know, well, nothing we do really matters. And and you might as well just stay home this election. And, you know, this could be part of, uh, you know, the process of trying to keep voters away from, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's campaign or turning them towards another campaign. Uh, as we know, the, the Russians were not particularly fond of Clinton and were more supportive of Trump. And so it could have all been part of that. But uh, the broader story here is that they're really trying to sow discord in American society. Right. I mean, I, I found the revelations in this too, both shocking and also kind of confirming, you know, existing suspicions. Uh, what do we know about how that attempt to sow discord worked then? And is it still working? Which is to say, are these campaigns ongoing? So these were accounts in some cases that had a lot of followers and there were millions of impressions, you know, across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatnot. Uh, and these reports say that these efforts are still ongoing on some of these platforms. Of course, some of these companies have tried to crack down on, you know, these malicious accounts, these foreign actors abusing the platforms, but it's, it's, it's hard to keep track of it. And, you know, they've also been accused of not taking it seriously enough. And so it is something that these reports say is ongoing. Ongoing. Well, here's a tweet from the president. Good luck today in court to General Michael Flynn. Will be interesting to see what he has to say despite tremendous pressure being put on him about Russian collusion in our great and obviously highly successful political campaign. There was no conclusion. Exclamation point. Uh, Emma, why is the president of the United States wishing Michael Flynn good luck? 
Well, Michael Flynn was close with the president for quite a while. He was, you know, part of the campaign. He was his first national security advisor. But I think that Flynn, despite being one of the people who has cooperated with special counsel Robert Mueller, has not been terribly public about that cooperation and the way that other uh, witnesses say, you know, Michael Cohen have been, uh, you know, not going on TV and, and talking about the case, you know, sitting down with uh, George Stephanopoulos for interviews or anything. And so I think that Trump is still hoping that, you know, Flynn won't spill too many of the beans uh, to special counsel Robert Mueller. But based off of the last uh, the last court filings, you know, he's he's cooperating pretty significantly with this uh, with this team. All right. So what should we expect as Flynn heads into court today? Well, you know, that's the big question. What we are expecting to see is the judge come out with, uh, you know, the sentence. And there hasn't really been much indication as to what that will be. Obviously, prosecutors and Mueller or, and uh, Flynn's team have said that they're okay with Flynn serving zero jail time, which, of course, surprised some people, but is perhaps, perhaps a testament to, you know, how much information he's provided to the, the investigation. Uh, but uh, we'll see what the, the judge does. She did... Uh, the the judge did order a, um, the, the interview papers from the FBI to be publicly released last night, indicating that the judge believes those are important to the sentencing. And so we will see how they come into play today. We'll see how they come into play today. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Thanks for having me. All right, up next, I sit down with Kamiko Glenn. Stay tuned. You should watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You should watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You should watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'm very excited. Stop. We won't stop. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with actor Kamiko Glenn, star of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations (laughs) on this incredible Thank you. I'm going to read a couple of tweets, okay? Okay. We're going to start with actor Ben Schwartz tweeted, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a masterpiece. One of the best movies of the year. Every frame was beautiful. All the voice acting was perfect. The writing and directing was incredible. And the animators should win every award. I love this movie so much. And then Rachel M. tweeted, (laughs) Spider-Verse might be the most important animated film since the first Incredibles. It's game-changing. And then lastly, I tweeted, damn! And that's truly how I felt. Yeah. Did you know this film was gonna be this good? No, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, voiceover's so different, you know. I, I came in, I was reading the, the lines per line, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you don't know what's gonna make it in. We did a lot of improving, a lot of playing around, and the end product was a surprise for me. Like, I went to the premiere and I was like, watching it like new, like everyone else. And it was funny because I, I, um, I was really enjoying it, obviously. I mean, it's such a good movie. And my boyfriend was like, it's so good. This is amazing. This is amazing, like throughout the whole thing. And I'm like, Shh. <laughs> You're like, stop interrupting. Hey, I really want to ask about that. So the first time you saw it was at the premiere. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like a leap of faith? And how does it feel when you know it's going well? Um, yeah, it was a little bit like, Honestly, I was a little nervous because I, um, when I got, I didn't know that I was supposed to speak Japanese at all. I, I think it was something that they just wanted. And so I kind of improved in the booth Japanese, and I'm not fluent, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, I wonder if I said things 
right. You know, <laughs> I wonder if I said things with ter terrible grammar or, you know, I don't know. And my mom was sitting next to me and she's Japanese. And so I was like, what's going to make it in the movie? Did anyone fact check anything? And so I only say a few lines. They only kept a few lines, which was... Nice. It was like a nice taste. Uh -huh. I don't think my mom even registered. That's good. So, <laughs> so she like, wasn't like, well, you really screwed that yeah, up. Yeah, she was like, when was the Japanese? I'm like, Mom, <laughs> I told you about it. I was excited. Pay attention to my character. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk um, about Penny Parker. Yeah. And I do, this is an incredible stat. Uh, you voiced Penny Parker. Mm -hmm. After the film debuted, fandom tweeted out stats showing that wiki page views for Penny Parker went through the roof after the movie's debut. Totally more views than all the other characters combined. Uh -huh. What does it feel like to get this much fan love for this character that you portrayed? You know, honestly, I, I have a hard time taking compliments or really absorbing things that are nice. You know, Same. so I kind of am like... That's a probably fake news. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably not real. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of in denial about it a little bit. It's still coming as a shock to you. Yeah, it's a total shock. Were, I had no idea. Were you a Marvel fan or a Spider-Man fan growing up? Did you love comic books or was this your first foray into this world? Well, honestly, I, I'm not familiar with a ton of comic books, but Spider-Man was always my absolute favorite. Mm. It was always the one that drew me mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And um, so it's just fitting that this is like my first action film and, I don't know, comic book film. And working into it, what, what do you think it is about Spider-Man that drew you in? Because obviously you're not alone in that. This mm -hmm. is a story that we've seen told so many times, incredibly uniquely this time around. Yeah. But like, what, what is it about Spider-Man you think that, that draws you in? I think it's just the fact that, well, I guess this is the the whole superhero trope in general, but just like the fact that y you're not expecting this kid, mm -hmm. you know, to be to be so, this amazing thing. And I think the amazing thing about this particular movie is you see so much of what he goes through to become who he is at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the the whole journey of like him being frightened, him not knowing what what's going on, and he steps up because with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, listen, film critic Rebecca Theodore Vachon tweeted this. I wish I could explain the joy watching Into the Spider-Verse with my nephew. When he first saw Miles on screen, he turned to me and said, that's me. What was it like to work with such a diverse cast and diverse crew on such a diverse movie? I mean, it's about time, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> honestly, uh -huh. um, and, but it was really beautiful. I mean, you can, you can really hit it over the head with the whole diversity thing. I, some people do, like there are some projects that try and include, include people and you know that they're trying, but this felt very organic and you, you just kind of like fall into the story and you realize that you're connecting with these characters in a deep on a deeper level mm -hmm. I mean for me anyway because mm -hmm. I'm ethnic and yeah I, I think it's just so beautiful and I think kids should see it because I wish as a kid I could have had a movie like this where I had people to look up to you know where you could have seen this representation yeah. look we've also got like crazy rich Asians this year mm -hmm. to all the boys I've loved before mm -hmm. do you think things are turning I, I mean especially in Hollywood for 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 Asian actors I honestly do I feel like I felt I felt that, mm -hmm. you know, that shift. And I'm so thankful because I was like, when is it gonna happen for Asian people? Because for the longest time, it's like inclusive of, you know, a bunch of different 
communities that should be included, but I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's gonna happen for us mm -hmm. um, or when. And Crazy Rich Asians was such a wonderful example of like a successful, I've, I've been told so many times in my career, there's no market for Asian people. Mm. And that's like heartbreaking just because I, I'm interested mm. in watching films with Asian people, like I'm very interested. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's it's and the marketplace is too like that's what that movie it proved. just proved that people want to see that absolutely one hundred percent listen you do a lot of voice acting you were in BoJack Horseman as one of my favorite characters riffing on us a little bit um, but <laughs> but seriously like how, what's it different getting ready for a voice acting position than a live action position oh so different yeah I mean a voice acting uh, uh, position is just kind of you go in and and you can read the script or not read the script sometimes, like they will explain it to you beginning and end. And sometimes you don't have a reference, sometimes you do have a reference. It's completely like, it depends on what part of the creative process you're in, because sometimes you'll literally just make the performance and then they'll, you know, tailor it around you. Or mm -hmm. sometimes they'll be like, okay, we're in the ADR stage, like we just need this, like to fudge this so that it makes the story make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting and it's fun to see it go through the several stages of like being nothing, being like a storyboard, being more fully fledged out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's and, cool. And watching it come to life. Listen, is there any, I think a lot of people watching the representation, watching you are, you know, maybe there are kids out there hoping that they're gonna get into the acting game as well. Is there any kind of advice that you were given that you'd wanna pass on to young Asian actors out there hoping to kind of have the career that you are building? Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, I think, I think um, love, loving what you're doing is the most important thing. If you don't love it, then it's it's a very hard world to put yourself in, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, but but lately they've been a lot more inclusive with Asian actors, so it's I'm so thankful for that because it's getting a little less hard as an Asian actor mm -hmm. to get seen. Um, so that's good. But also um, I think if you do love it, persistence is key. Mm. There's so many so many ups and downs, like in, even in my successful career, mm -hmm. like I've had so many ups and downs with it and it just, you have to persist through and just like be believe that something's gonna happen and your journey is your journey. And, and one day you'll be sitting next to your mom at the premiere for <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yeah. and everyone's gonna absolutely love it. Yeah. It's such an incredible movie. Congrats on everything, 1,000%. Thank you so much for joining us. Into the Spider-Verse is in theaters now. I might have mentioned once or twice that you should absolutely go see it. Up next, we're talking about insane celebrity perfume ads. And Kamiko Glenn, I hope I see you in a lot more movies coming Thank up soon. You. <laughs> You're the absolute best. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on the show. Stop it. You're the best. That was dope. That was so good. Thank you so much. Hello, my queens. Okay, joining me now to break down the insanity, frankly, that is celebrity perfume ads this time of year is Matt Harkins and Viviana Olin. They are the curators of the Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan 1994 Museum. We stand, if you don't know. Now you do. Okay, and they are about to run a special exhibition called The Fantasy of Celebrity Perfume. 
which I love. Here's my thing. I okay, shout out to Charlize Theron and my favorite perfume ad with the the, the door where she's walking and like take like that's my favorite. Okay, so just like, set that aside. Um, I love this because I do feel like there's something inherently absurd about celebrity perfume ads, and even more so li lately. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. You should be dipped in gold. Okay. You should be lost in a forest. You should you should just have diamonds just like popping out. Yeah, they're just always like over the top. Gravity should not exist, and they are absurd. But I mean, thank God, because if they weren't, it'd just be boring. You know, yeah. this is a world we can enter. Th that, and it's like totally a fantasy is a huge part of this fantasy fairyland. And yes. is it? It's, it's and I, like you know, and even Ariana, like I know she has it. Like it's a thing, and I always kind of like, oh, God, really? But. It's a big business, right? It is a huge business. It was actually um, the first one that really took it to the next level was mm. Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. White Diamond. I remember that. And that is one of the most amazing uh -huh. commercials because yeah. she like she's she's in this gorgeous <laughs> gown. She sees like this poker table. Of hot guys. Hot guys. Mm. And she says, these have always brought me luck. And yes. she takes her earrings off. Yeah. And you just want to be her. You want to be Elizabeth yeah. Taylor in her room full of diamonds. And this is a chance to get her essence. Totally. I I remember watching those ads as a kid, and these have always brought me like, aspirational like, gag, yeah. uh -huh. gag. Okay. <laughs> well, something I know you two love is uh, the iconic celebrity ad featuring Britney Spears's Midnight Fantasy. Mm. Yes. Well, fantasy is like has had so many offshoots, and the fantasy uh -huh. commercial. She's in a forest. She's a goddess. But okay. She's going on tour soon. So it is kind of like rooted in reality a little okay, bit. Like which she's is got fun. to leave the forest and yeah, come back she to. She has to do concerts. But uh -huh. the, the hunter, he doesn't want her to go. And then oh. she has this iconic line. She's like, he did something he kind of crazy. Them? He does shoot her. Yeah. But it's a, it's a suction cup. But then she <laughs> is staying in that forest. Yeah. And okay. it's, just, it's this fantasy of. What world is this, you know? You want to go. Yeah, Wherever we want to be there. Let's buy a ticket. <laughs> and little known fact, Midnight Fantasy, uh -huh. it got a five-star review from the New York Times. Really? Yeah. Hard to get. Yeah. We okay, so yeah. it's like, it's not a game. It's not just like, Oh, know. no, no, no. Oh, yeah, she was, she, Britney's not kidding around. Okay. Other people are, but Britney is not, yeah. <laughs> well, another uh, ad and perfume I do remember is Beyonce's Heat. Yes. So sexy. I remember the ad, yeah. Okay. Oh, and this is a painting. This is yep. actually one of the illustrations of the show by Miriam Carruthers. Okay. And this is a hand-drawn illustration. Mm -hmm. It is so intense. And for the framing, there's going to be, it's going to be in mirrored frames with diamonds. Okay. You will be transported yes. to wherever Beyonce is in that room. I love this. Okay, so here's my last question for you guys. What is it, you know, obviously it's easy to write off celebrity perfumes just by themselves. The ads, you can be like, it's campy, it's whatever, but it's big business. And it it clearly resonates with people and pop culture. What is it about them that's so compelling? It's a chance to, I mean, you don't, you walk into a mall and then you can just sample the sense and say, which one is me? Mm. You can walk around and say, I'm a little bit Rihanna today. Ooh. And that is a power that's, that's going to take you throughout argument. the day. I'm a little Absolutely. bit Rihanna. Or maybe Rihanna Nicole, today. you can take a smell okay, yourself. Okay, Nicole Richie. She's been on the show. She was cool. Oh, this is. That's okay. how you become Nicole Richie. I, just yeah. like I like this. Yeah. Just a touch. This is a favorite, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay, cute. Well, Matt, Viviana, thank you so much for joining us. I love, listen, the museum is everything. It's the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, 1994 Museum. If you're in New York, check it out anyway. It's really cool. Um, and also now you can check out this new exhibition on the fantasy of celebrity perfume. Get into it, children. And this was really cute. I'm going to that later. All right, coming up next, I am so excited about this pivot. I'm going to talk about my new favorite video game, God of War. Know me, I have the range. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Here's a tweet from me. Uh, I just realized I've been playing God of War for four 
hours nonstop. What is happening to me? What have I become? It all changed so fast. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I just got a PS4, and girl, I am in it. Um, Jake Sherigin, uh, technology writer at New York Magazine, joins me now, live and in color. Hello. Happy to be here. I'm so excited you're here. I love this game. Um, I bought it, and the next night it won top prize for like game of the year. It was the dark horse win of the year. Okay, so people were not expecting it to win. No, I mean, the thing you gotta understand is God of War has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. It's been around for about 13 years, okay. and it was this angry, dumb game. It was hmm. like the Mountain Dew Monster Energy Drink okay. game. <laughs> And then it came out this year, and I, most people weren't expecting much out of it. Mm -hmm. And it comes out, and it's actually this really mature game, and like not mature like it's bloody, mature like it's like this really like thoughtful piece about like how do fathers and sons interact. Mm -hmm. And then you also get to like chop up dudes with axes. Yeah. But uh, most people were expecting this other game, Red Dead Redemption, to mm -hmm. win. God of War came to mm -hmm. surprise. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a surprise for a lot of people in the sort of video game community that, yeah. that won. It's also very beautiful, which I, I don't know if gorgeous I really expected. Gorgeous game, yeah, absolutely like The gorgeous. worlds are like stunning. Um, I, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, as someone new to playing games, I'm not even gonna mm -hmm. say someone new to gaming, I'm not ready for <laughs> that uh, noun yet. But uh, it's like, you know, I think we associate like toxic masculinity with gaming culture a lot. Totally. And I've been surprised to see a game that in many ways is about a father trying to break through his own kind of issues to compassionately help his son who's grieving. I think that, I mean, in a lot of ways, this game is a repudiation of toxic masculinity. Mm. I mean, one of the moments that happens very early in the game mm -hmm. is he sort of tries to reach out and touch his son, sort of comfort him, mm -hmm. and can't quite bridge that gap. Right. He's a guy who can, like, has, in earlier games, has literally killed every geek, Greek god that exists. Okay. But he can't just, like, you know, give a son a pat. Can't touch Yeah, and yeah. so it's this really interesting and, you know, uh, thoughtful look at what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? What are the responsibilities of that? Um, then in a way that video games have not done traditionally. You know, most of the games uh, that you saw in the aughts and in the 90s were not tackling issues with any kind of this level of uh, sophistication or this level of right. thought. Yeah, and something else, like, given that you know you know a lot more about you know the industry in general, I'm surprised that the voice acting, like you know, talking about like Spider-Man, you know, like mm -hmm. I, it's funny. There are moments where I've actually laughed out loud during scenes. There are moments of drama where I'm like, huh, and then the dragon. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they've done a lot. Video game voice acting has gotten so much better than mm. it was even ten years ago. Uh, part of that is that a lot of voice actors actually unionized, so you're starting to get a lot more professionalization oh, coming okay. in there. But it's also just. Every, all these games cost mm -hmm. millions and millions of dollars to make, take mm -hmm. five or six years to make, so they have a lot of time to really work on these, and the people who really do a good job, they are absolute professionals, like mm -hmm. they, this is their living. Um, there's a couple of big stars that mm -hmm. people follow them from game to game and sort of like get very excited. Uh, Nolan North is one of the big ones okay. where people are like, What's he gonna do next? Wow, uh, oh, this is so interesting. Well, you know, is uh, God of War an outlier, or may we expect to see more video games like this? I think like God of War is like very much where the industry is going right now. Okay. It's a big action title. Uh, it has, you know, it's a lot of fun. Like it even, is really fun. Yeah, you know, like I, it's like one of those moments where I like literally like it was like some zombie or monster or something, and I had my axe and I literally like cut the monster in half, like from the head to the feet. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, like blue bloods going everywhere, and I was like, I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. Oh yeah, and your, your son's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun, but I think that what you're also starting to see is games that are taking that sort of like big, over-the-top, bombastic mm -hmm. action, that's mm -hmm. a lot of fun, and then sort of pair, pairing that up with 
storytelling that is on a higher level and sort of more of the, for lack of a better word, sort of like the prestige TV level of sophistication mm -hmm. that we've come to expect out of our entertainment. And I think that if you look forward to what's coming out in 2019, you're going to see more games that are like that. That is what a major studio release is supposed to be in okay. next year. Okay, so. exciting. Well, I remember, you know, as someone who, like when I lived with a roommate, uh, he's a gamer, I watched him play Red Dead Redemption, the first one, mm -hmm. The Last of Us, uh -huh. beautiful, that giraffe that showed up, I cried, I cried at the giraffe, I did. Beautiful game, So Probably I know my that, favorite game ever. Yeah. yeah, I know, so I know the follow-up is coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, based year. on kind of the vibes I'm giving you, if you're picking <laughs> up what I'm putting down, what are some games that are coming out that I might like? Well, I mean, Last of Us 2, I think, okay. is absolutely going to be uh, a really interesting game. I think there's a lot of smaller indie titles that have mm -hmm. been sort of exploring the sort of storytelling thing. There's a really great one called Gone Home that okay. came out about five years ago, where all it is, it's set in like sort of the late 90s, mm -hmm. and you go back to your uh, family's home, hmm. and they've all disappeared, and you sort of wander through. It's oh. like this very like interesting period piece where you're like listening to like cassette tapes with like the raincoats and like huh. bikini kill uh -huh. and like, but it's telling this really interesting story about family and what does it mean to sort of like try to discover what you are and what your family is. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of titles if you want to go back mm -hmm. and all of these are available on PlayStation 4, on the mm -hmm. PS4 store, mm -hmm. uh, that really do a great job of telling story. If you're really, cool. if the story is really what yeah. you're interested in, there's a lot of great stories out there. So. I love it. Well, Jake, thank you so much for joining me. I love that. I'm like a whole new world, literally. Yeah, let's exchange oh gamer tags. Let's play. Tea! Oh my God, I love it. Okay, up next, Isaac and I are going to discuss more of your tweets. <laughs> thank you, Jake. This Absolutely, is thank That's you. It. Gone home. Gone home. All right, so we asked you all, uh, what sentence would you make someone watch? Like if they had to watch a movie once a month for a year as a punishment, we asked you for this, um, and I came up with something. Oh. It's actually not a movie. Okay. You know, like, and I guess this still happens if you buy a movie on iTunes, but like the featurettes, <laughs> where you get to watch like the actors and everyone uh -huh. like talk, and it's like, if you really like the movie, you might enjoy it, but if it's like, uh, you're not there, uh -huh. I would sentence someone once a month to watch every featurette featuring James Franco talking about his work. Wow. Could you imagine? That's what you thought of. That's very interesting, because it looks like you and Eunick <gasps> Ortiz have something in common. Gee, this is what you said. Anything with James Franco, or maybe just a reel of his most annoying scenes. Yeah. Wow. All right. Tea. Great minds. Great minds, because, whoa, insufferable. <laughs> It's just like, and I was just really trying to get into, and it was just so inspiring, and you just, when you get that moment, it's just, oh my God, kill me! I'm sure poetry of motion comes up a lot. All right, Janelle Muse says, most Hallmark Christmas movies, not all, but most. Dang. I don't know, man. Sometimes. I'm feeling really uh, holiday spirity, though, but I'm feeling real forgiven to the Hallmark movies right now. I'm like, shout out to Patti LaBelle. Give me a little cocoa. Give me a little, a little I do cozy. hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Dang. I'm craving it now. Okay, <laughs> Princess Leia had this to say about your interview with Kimiko Glenn. Y'all, you're so cute. Also, shout out to her dress. Uh, she said, I'm tearing up. This is so good. We love representation, and she is so excellent. Yeah. So, so thoughtful, and again, somebody that, like, we mainly talked about Spider-Verse, right? But she has such a long career. She's done so much work. She's doing so much voice acting. She's doing so much live action work. So she has such a wonderful career. So to sit down and talk with her about such an achievement was a true honor. Mm -hmm. She was absolutely fantastic. And the movie is great. 
great. I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm like trying to run and see. It's just a really busy week mm-hmm. before I go out of town for the holidays, and it's like I'm trying to duck and dodge. I, you know, I don't want spoilers. I don't want anything. I'm, I'm gonna take you to it. I'm gonna, we're gonna find <laughs> some time, and I'm gonna take you to it. All right. Uh, Rachel Hey Girlfield had this to say about crazy perfume ads. That was a hilarious segment. There's a Johnny Depp perfume one where he is digging a hole, and it really captures his career at this point. I actually saw that when we were getting ready for this segment. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, of all people, tweeted about it a few years ago, and he like digs a hole in the desert and throws jewelry in the hole, which tracks. What I really liked was, what do diamonds smell like? That's a good, <laughs> that's just a good. That's I love, a good and question. actually, Nicole is the, the perfume that smell it. It's really good. Oh, it is. Actually. Is, okay, yeah, I'm like, sorry. Like, that's that's I'm, actually really good. Y'all know. Hopefully, by now, y'all realize that Said ain't acting up here. I actually really like that. This. Is that was this good. wasn't Oprah eating that seasoned chicken? All right. Thank you to our guest today. Yes, I'm still thinking about that video of Oprah, Claudia Rosenbaum, Tyler Kincaid, Emma Luke, Kimiko Glenn, Viviana Olin, Matt Harkins, and Jake Swearingen. Thank you all. Absolutely. Listen, it's Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. See you then. Last Tuesday before the holidays. Spring break. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs>